Hi, I'm Michael Croker, and this is Park Life. I've worked in the Australian theme park industry for a little over 30 years. And in this podcast series, I spend time in conversation with the people inside the business of making memories. Thanks for joining me. I hope you can subscribe, rate, and review. Enjoy the ride. Nathan Klassen grew up captivated by theme parks. They inspired a drive and a passion that has seen him rise through the industry into one of the very key roles for any park operation. Here's our conversation talking through the journey to date. So I'm the operations manager for Warner Brothers Movie World and Wet Mile Gold Coast. So I guess pretty much in essence, for me, anything that's front facing for guests that doesn't generate revenue, that kind of falls under under me in some respect from yeah. a operational and a logistical sense of what we do every single day here in the park. So um, for me, I absolutely love it, live it, breathe it. Um, you know, being out there and walking the beat, it's kind yeah. of kind of my gig. Who you are. To do. Yeah, pretty much. So you'll see me out there, you know, laying my green tape and, <laughs> you know, moving park benches around. We were just talking before we started here that it's been 10 years now in the industry. 10 years, yeah. Can we jump back in time to when it began and kind of how it started? Yeah, so I, if I go right back to early childhood for me, I... My backyard, my parents absolutely hated me. Uh, my backyard was a ever-evolving theme park, pretty much. Uh, depending on what park I'd recently visited was dependent on what the park was in my backyard at the time. Yeah. Um, but that, for me, sparked the desire to one day come and work for the parks. So what would you do? You'd have a park visit with the family, then go home and... Go home and build things in the backyard what um, kind of things were you building like out of garden furniture yeah so i would use <laughs> i've got a photo of i'll show you i've got a photo pretty much of me it's the timber fence palings yeah. that i've like chopped up with bricks yeah i've got a skateboard that i've nailed a recycling tub to the top of and that's my what would have been a very dangerous roller coaster <laughs> back then that's back great. then but that was my the creativity, I guess, I look back now and I go, God, I did some terrible things as a child that my parents were probably thinking, you're, you're a dangerous man. You're a dangerous man. But for me, that was living and breathing, I guess, my passion and love for what we do here. What was the thing that got you excited as a kid? Uh, I think it was the, the idea that you come into these properties and I guess I have fond memories of for me standing in the archway at Movie World with having a photo with two of the police academy performers and that for me kind of sticks in my mind it's mm. when everyone says oh what do you what do you kind of remember from that and that that moment of stepping out of I guess now when I look back at it stepping out of reality yeah. into this kind of fantasy where everything's color and movement and sound and it's bigger than life yeah um i think it's an escape from from that yeah um i've always been a very i've been a very creative individual like i did drama for a lot of my yeah a lot of my life um did local theater all that type of stuff when i was a when i was a kid so mm. i think that that also kind of fosters that idea of 
some people's attraction to this environment and what we do mm -hmm. in the industry. So that was kind of my biggest driver was that idea of everything is grand, exciting. I just remember, you know, watching the parade yeah. here at Movie World back in the day and I would scour the shops looking for the, the Movie World Park soundtrack so I could take it home and pop it in my CD player and belt the music in the backyard to yeah. try and relive this fantasy yeah. of what we get to do here now every single day. That's terrific. How yeah. old were you when you first put your hand up to get a job in the parks? So I, I did work experience back in 2007. So that was kind of my first driver to kind of get my foot in the door and understand what that was like. And I feel so sorry for my uh, people advisor from school because I would hound her like there was no tomorrow to try and organize this work experience here. Um, and that for me, coming in here and doing a week it gave me a variety of different things. I did a bit of retail, a bit of food, yeah. uh, a bit of ops, a bit of entertainment. Yeah. So I did a little bit in that week, but that for me was that, that's probably cemented my desire to want to be here. So you weren't disillusioned when you finally got in behind the curtain? No, definitely not. Yeah. If anything, it probably sparked more of a, a drive and desire to yeah. want to be here. Um, and then I pretty much waited until I was 18 to start to apply for roles. And that was primarily the prerequisites of operations at the time. So for me, it was kind of waiting for that moment to go, all right, now's the time, I'm set, I'm ready to go. Um, so I waited until that moment, I believe I turned 19 the year that I started here. Yeah. Um, I started at Seaboard actually as a external hired ride supervisor. Um, and I think it was the first time that the business had gone down that avenue back right. in the day. Uh, so I was kind of like a, a test test dummy, I guess, to mm. some respect as to if you were to look for someone externally to come into this environment. Yeah, where so do you... You hadn't come through the front line. No. You'd come from the outside in. Yeah. What, what qualified you to be looked at for that role at that time? So I had done, prior to here, I did five years at McDonald's. Yeah. And I was a... Uh, first assistant manager for a franchise store, but then also outside of those duties was the safety manager for the three franchise stores that my owner operator looked after. Right. So uh, a lot of it was food safety related, yeah. but food safety, general in-store elements uh, that we would collate reporting. It was all very, it was very administrative driven, but mm. that was kind of my... The kicker, I guess, for me was that yeah. having that safety kind of culture background. Yeah. Um, How did you find that initial time at SeaWorld in that role? That was, that was good for me, yeah. the journey at SeaWorld. I had my finger in a lot of different pots yeah. during that period of time. Um, I did rides. It was the kickoff for us of the SpongeBob parade over at SeaWorld. So I did uh, float driving for the kickoff of that. Uh, I did a bit of announcing for a period of time there, very short. Um, that was, I think, the wrap-up of Imagine Right. in those days. That was a very short, short stint. So the Imagine Dolphin Show is what we're referring to there. Yes. How long were you doing that for? I did that for probably about four or five months. And then I also uh, lent to spending a bit of time uh, as Big Al Baloney 
with fish detectives. In the seal show. Time, the seal I had show. no idea. Yeah. Right. So I did that for uh, yeah about four to five months. Yeah, when okay. I was over there, so I dabbled into a little bit of everything, and I still remember to this day, towards the end of that kind of first year at SeaWorld, uh, my manager at the time had sat down with me and she said to me, she goes, Nathan, I, I appreciate your enthusiasm, but you're going in all these different directions. She goes, if I can give you one piece of advice, try and spend the next short period of time to narrow in on what, what, what is your greatest desire? What, it, what is it that drives you to want to be here? You obviously got a lot of passion. Um, where, where do you want to find yourself? Where do you want to lead yourself? And that for me at the time was a bit of a harsh reality because I enjoyed all the different things that I was doing at that period of time. Uh, and it wasn't until probably two or three months down the track that I started to probably resonate on that a little bit more and self-reflect. And that kind of led me then in this path of going, you know, I, entertainment was such a big thing, a big driver for me to begin with. And that I think came from my drama background and mm. drama in high school and local theatre. Um, that I kind of had a bit of a mixed idea of where did I want to find myself in this industry, in this business. Um, and as the, I guess as the wheels continued to turn in my ops background, that kind of led me down the path of this is, I like the idea of, you know, you're dealing with the masses, you're dealing with large volumes mm, of people, and yeah. logistics and movement and all the, the facets that come with what we do every single day in, yeah. in ops. So SeaWorld operations then becomes more of a central focus for you. Yes. And we're talking now specifically rides and attractions. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And in terms of your growth curve, you're still a young man, even younger than you are now, but you're still a very young man at this stage. How old were you? Uh, I was I was probably back end of nineteen, almost twenty in wow. that period of time. So for me, like I was, I think I, I was a, I had a bit of the mindset also that as a being quite young at the time, I was like oh, I, don't, I don't know if I really want to decide exactly what I want to do right now. Like I'm enjoying variety and dabbling into different skill sets and I guess being involved in different, many different facets of what we, mm. what we do rather than, I guess, pigeonholing myself to one particular thing. And that was probably that initial harsh reality of that conversation. Um, and that conversation was lent with best intentions to say, you've got, you've certainly got passion for what we do. But channel yourself. But yeah, fine. Where, where do you want that journey to lead you? Pretty much. <coughs> So that, I guess for me, that was that it took me time to understand that guidance and that direction. Did you and have, uh, sounds like you had mentorship Yeah. at this stage too. Yeah. And I, uh, my mentor, I guess that was kind of guiding me at the time, uh, she had a lot of, has also done a lot of different things within our industry and within our business. So um, that for me, I think was also a point of understanding that yes, there are different layers to what we do, but find what is the channel that you, mm. is your best desire or your greatest desire and uh, funnel all of your passions into what, what you want to live and breathe, I guess. And I'm very thankful now for that journey. For sure. Where I'm at, so. What became 
one of the most, I guess, challenging parts of that journey for you when you, you've got your single-eyed folks now into that world. Yeah. Was what, what brought to you the biggest learning on reflection, do you think? Uh, I think that I take away, I look at probably the having flexibility, I guess, in the respect of I was flexible to do all of the things that I was doing, all the different channels, a bit of entertainment. I dabbled into a bit of cleaning in the mornings for a little bit extra money. Yeah. Um, operations, attractions and rides. I found I had so much flexibility in myself and being able to do all those things and being open to doing all those things that I probably a few months down the track had a very narrow mindset in respect of growth and development in my journey. And I mm. kind of put myself on one particular line rather than being flexible and being open-minded to where opportunity might present itself. Yep. That then led me to uh, applying for the role to become park supervisor at Wet n Wild. So for me, I had this very, very driven idea or a very fixed idea that rides was my only path and that's mm. the path then that I wanted to lead down rather than going well I could probably learn more about our business by understanding other facets of the business so what carries over to a water park from a dry park like SeaWorld which is largely a dry park in terms yep. of the rides and attractions what skill sets do you carry over into a, a water park as a park suit because that sounds very specific and yep. it's also a very good rise in your career. So without getting too far ahead, how long were you at SeaWorld before the Wet n Wild chapter? So I, I did about a year and a half at right. SeaWorld. Yeah. So what prompted the desire then to move out over to Wet n Wild? What drew you there to continue your growth? That I think was the, I guess my realization to go, don't be so fixed on right. the idea that growth and development or learning has to come from one place. Yeah. Particularly, I guess we're very fortunate in our business here that we have that availability that we have a number of different properties that all lend themselves to different personalities, different ways of operation that uh, for me at that point in time, that was probably that idea of going, I don't necessarily have to just stay at SeaWorld to continue to grow. Um, just in that space, there doesn't seem to be any kind of fear in you about taking a chance on yourself. Mm -hmm. And you're obviously driven by the passion that you had as a kid developed for the parks. Yep. And there's a genuine love for the business. But there doesn't seem to be any self-doubt about what you might be able to achieve. Did that come from home? Did it come from your formative years as a teenager? Is it something you're even aware of? But it doesn't sound like you're someone that was second-guessing yourself. Um, I don't, it's probably not something that I've really thought about a great deal, to be honest with you, yeah. but I think by, I'm very fortunate that my upbringing, I was very, very much supported in my family upbringing to do what you want to do, be very passionate. Um, my parents were parents that would lend themselves very thin on weekends to be taking me to local theatre, my brother to cricket or soccer or sport and my sister to dance or physical culture. So we were, I guess, fortunate enough that they put everything aside to allow us to do the things that we wanted to do. And mm. I think that probably lends to 
I guess my mindset and mm. my drive and being open and flexible to challenge and accepting challenge when it presents itself rather mm. than I guess shying away from things that might be the unknown or yeah that's um, terrific that's in you different. instinctively rather than having to consciously bring attention to yeah. it that's a great a great gift the wet and wild experience must have brought with it its own set of challenges and evolution for you because it's a completely new kind of park yeah what's one of the bigger learnings you took out of that chapter my probably biggest learning from my journey at wet and wild i spent about uh, close to three years there that was my journey before i then came back to the hard ride element but my journey at wet and wild is going understanding that uh, patron behavior is a big change for a water park environment you, you i guess you kind of have there's so much control in a hard ride park you know you look at see what a movie well, we have control in movement and control in process control in a, attractions you know you're you're locking someone down into a harness that well, they can do is stay seated, enjoy enjoy the experience, and then train comes back into the station and they can hop out and be on their way. In wet and wild, you've got patron behaviour elements that guests can do what they want. They can, a bit more dynamic. Yeah, they can go yeah. where they want to go. They there's no structure to the day. There's Interesting. no shows. There's no yeah. idea of I've got to do X, Y, and Z in my day. I can kind of just go where I want. So the patron behaviour and the behaviour of the guest is so such a big thing you've got to probably become more adaptable and mm. you've got to become more i guess there's a greater level of reasonable adjustment over there versus where we have such structure yeah in parks like movie world and sea world you know the typical guest would come in and go oh i'm going to go and see the 11:15 dolphin show and then yeah. after that i'm going to go to go and ride storm coaster so you can bring some, some lunch science to the migration Yes. of a collective group of people. Yeah. And now you're in an environment where it is a little more open space. Yes. And it's kind of happening in real time all the time. Yeah. How many years with Wet n Wild did you say? Three years for Wet n Wild. Yeah. Uh, then in, in that journey in itself, uh, I dabbled into multiple opening seasons of Wet n Wild Sydney. So that in itself was a, a big learning for me to be well, that's present for that. You're starting now with a, a park or a, a business that is effectively there. You're there at the very point of breaking earth. Yes. To 100%. hand over and I guess the first year or so of operations. Yeah. That must have been an incredible time with the no shortage of challenges. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and you're moving interstate back and forth. Yes. What was that experience like? Can you tell us without going into great detail behind the curtain, but yep. can you tell us what they did for you professionally and personally? Uh, that for me was the idea of coming in, you've, you've got to have, you don't want to be reactive. But you've got to come in with the idea of understanding the challenges that you're about to be faced. And those challenges Yes, they may present themselves right here and now, but they're a challenge that they may face two days down the track, a week down the track, right. two months down the track, particularly in a new park and a new environment. Um, for me, it was, we've got such regimented process in existing properties. Um, you know, move on in itself has 
got 29 years of operation. Yeah. There's regimented process and structure to go to something that's brand new. There is only so much of that that you can establish from the get go. Yeah. Um, so you've really got to be thinking ahead. And that, that for me was probably my biggest learning of rather than where we would maybe put out a spot fire here on these parks up here on the coast, uh, where we can put out a spot fire, come up with solutions and move forward. Uh, you might put out the spot fire down in that brand new park in Sydney, but there's every possibility that that same challenge will present itself again sure. later down the track. And that's yeah. that learning of putting process in place. You've got new team members, you've got you know, new leadership, uh, you've got guests who are also brand new to that space and that environment. Mm. We're very fortunate here on the coast that we've got locals who understand our people, understand our processes, understand our offering, and they come because they they enjoy those elements. They have local knowledge. Do. Yeah. yeah. Um, you don't have any of that, so you're very much starting fresh down there. Um, but that was a big, big learning, big learning for me. How One many, that I'm very thankful for. How long on that project? Uh, so the first season I did 12 weeks. Yeah. Uh, that in itself is a lovely story. I <laughs> We were actually filming the first day of the in-betweeners, filming at Wet Mile Gold Coast. The UK series? Yep, yeah. UK series. So yeah. they were doing their film uh, here in Australia. So they were day one filming at Wet Mile Gold Coast. Yeah. So I was here at, I think, like 2 a.m. in the morning to prepare for that. And... The day continues to roll on and it reaches 11 o'clock and I get a phone call from uh, the general manager of Movie World at the time and she calls me and says, oh, yeah, they've realised that there's probably a little bit more work that needs to happen before we start our pre-open previews down in Wet Mild Sydney. Need some help down there. Any chance you'd be able to help out? And for me, 100%, I'll put my hand up straight away and yeah, I'm happy to go. No worries at all. She turns around to me and says, all right, no worries. We'll um, just want to pack up your things, jump in the car and book your flight for two o'clock. Right. So boom, that day, straight on a plane, down to Sydney, grab my hire car, out to Western Sydney and here it's we on. go. Yeah. Uh, and the moment that I stepped foot out of that car, it was a, dusty gravel car park at the time yeah. because construction still you know packing up and i got out of the car and i looked at this beautiful expansive park you know you pull up and arrive near the admin building you you look over color and mm. and, and greenery of this beautiful property um that moment of being a theme park junkie and seeing that i was like oh, this is what a beautiful park. Yeah. I was caught up in the excitement of it all to not realise what the journey of the next 12 weeks were going to be in that period of time. Um, but isn't it great just to jump in that space without wanting to cut your flow? But I think that's a really good, good point to make, that that thrill of being in the business that you love still is something you can catch when it happens. And it's, yeah. it's that the child in you hasn't gone. Yes. And obviously you can't be coming in functioning as a child every day. But if, if the child is in you enough that you can recognise it in those moments, then that's a reminder, I think, that you still 
on the path you need to be on in the yeah. business you should still be in. Yes, most certainly. I think it's when the, you no longer have that sense of wonder or those little pockets of emotion when you see something that yeah. is still close to you in terms of this industry. That's when you probably are in trouble. Yes, you know? 100%. So you were still getting that giddy kind of feeling of, as a park fan, yeah. look at this, this is beautiful. And then the other part of your brain has to kick in and say, yeah, it's beautiful, <laughs> but there's a little bit of work to be done Correct. Here. And so that, that period of time where you were moved back into Sydney, how long were you on the ground there? So I, I was there for, for 12, weeks 12 weeks for the kickoff. Uh, and then for the, for the remaining part of that three-year journey at Wet Mile Gold Coast, uh, I went down each year for September kickoff to help those guys out with their park open. And that was, would be for about a six to eight week period each year. And that was face, you would face similar challenges and that, mm. that comes with pretty much completely turning the tap off on your day-to-day operation, packing everything up and closing for the winter. Right. And then you've got to restart that entire thing altogether again. It's funny, we, we put together a process around that execution. We pretty much, we caught the Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. You put the Christmas tree back up every single year, pop all the baubles on, but at the end of the season, packing it all down again. It's easy to put it all away in a box, but to go and unwrap that, yeah, take right. it all apart every single year is a big, big challenge every September to do that. But it, again, it was a, a journey for me that I look at what we've just gone through with the pandemic. Yeah. And there were so many things that uh, through this reopen period for our parks here on the coast, there's so many elements of wet mild Sydney for me that were this natural instinct of, oh, this is why that we did this in Sydney. Mm. This, this works. This method of turning turning the tap back on again. It, mm. it works here. Yeah. So it was uh, it was really kind of refreshing, I guess, to lend some of that skill set, which was some time ago now, uh, lend that to what we did here to be able to to turn the parks back on again. It's interesting, isn't it? Sometimes you're getting your learnings without knowing you're getting them until you have to call on what you've learned yeah. at the time that you needed to call on it and then able to go, oh, this is handy because it, I can re- relate this back to a time when I kind of know what this is. It's familiar. Yeah, That's that, that growth that happens organically over the course of your lifetime if you're open to it and yeah. if you're in the game long enough, which you clearly have been. Yeah. So coming out of... That experience, if we were to jump ahead a little bit in time, Wet n Wild Sydney opens and it does what it does and you're back on the Gold Coast. What eventually draws you out of water parks and then where do you move after that? That was my coming back up, I guess, and doing that three-year stint at Wet n Wild Gold Coast. My, that probably fueled a greater desire, more so for the industry for me, rather than narrowing in on a particular property or the elements or facets of that particular property. Um, so for me, I guess it was that idea of, you know, there are so many things about what we do in our business that all lend to themselves. They all come hand in hand. Uh, so for me then, my journey from that point become very much a moving from property to property. And I spent a good portion of time there where I would 
find myself at one property for probably no more than six months before then hopping on over to the next property to right. to fill gaps or Can you to, give us an example of that period? Yeah, so I it was a, a probably a big yo yo period for me where I left Wet and Wild to fill a, a maternity leave secondment at SeaWorld as park supervisor. I did that for eight months, left that secondment to then come to Movie World to fill another secondment. Hmm. parental leave secondment again yeah. uh, I then ended up back at Wet n Wild for three weeks got picked up for another secondment to go back to SeaWorld so yo-yoed back there again just during that period of moving back and forth across the sites was there a sense of where do I belong or am I or was it more of a sense of no I'm quite happy to hop here because yep. I'm bringing what I know into the business and servicing a need and I'm also picking up some new learnings along the way. Or was there a sense of, hey, you know what? It'd be great to know I'm going to plant some roots at the back of this. Yeah. There's probably a bit of both, to be yeah. honest. There was an element of me that at that period of time was, do I have my own direction? Where do I want, where do I want to be? Um, and that, I think, is that natural instinct. You work with, you know, I was working with colleagues in those particular parks that, were in those roles or were in their roles for some time and had been in those pucks for some time. So I think you have that natural instinct of going, where is my journey then? If I'm, I'm the one who's hopping around, going from place to place. Do I have structure? These guys have got structure. They've done what they've done for some time. What happens to me at the end of this comment? Where do I, where do I end up? So there was, there was a little bit of that. Um, but I look back now and I'm so thankful to have, for my journey to have gone in that direction. And that for me was the learning of being able to be adaptive, work with different teams for short periods of time. Mm. You know, we there's so many diverse characters within our business yeah. and people within our business. That for me, I think was a, has really probably lended to my skill set now of understanding different people. You know, you, yeah, different personalities that are within our business. That's a good place to stay. I mean, I know when I was a show announcer as a younger guy years ago, you know, you would have to move into the water ski team department and develop relationships there in order to do the work. Yeah. Then you would finish and you would go over and work with the SEAL team or the sea lion team. But you needed to coexist with that dynamic because that yep. was its own microculture. And then there was the dolphin team. And that was the same thing again. Then yes. you had your own culture within the announcing team. And you weren't afforded the luxury of just being a certain way all day long with one group. Yeah. You had to be able to find connection and build bridges with these other, other micro cultures. And then again, you're learning these skills about dealing with humanity and in all its various forms, mm -hmm. uh, which helps you certainly as a leader too, as you grow and you start to understand that there are only certainly so many personality types. Yeah. And when you can identify your own, it becomes a little bit easier to identify the, the others. Yes. And then there'll be similar traits that will run through. There'll be people's own individuality, but there'll also be certain baseline elements that'll make up you know, a certain grouping of personalities. Correct. So you inherently enabled to, to be able to do that. You've got to have a little bit of a liking for people. Is that something <laughs> that you obviously had? You had a, yes. a certain amount of tolerance and liking? Yeah, I'm a, a, I guess as... As corny as it may sound, I'm a big, I'm a big people person. I think that you, there's a, there's a saying that my, my team absolutely 
probably hate the saying now because I overuse it all the time and I, I'll whack it on everything that I can whack it on. It's like a bumper car sticker, pretty much. Um, but there's a saying, a Walt Disney quote, which is, uh, with that reciting word for word, talks about the fact that we can, we can build these beautiful environments, but in essence, it takes people to make the dream the reality. And I'm a big believer that our people are what, is what drives what we do. You know, we could, we could allow guests to come into this beautiful landscape that we have here at Movie World, for example, with no characters, no team member engagement, no people. Sure, it's got pops of colour and it's beautiful and there's music and there's all these elements, but take away all of that. There's nothing left to that if you don't have the people who drive what we do every single day. Um, that for me, I think is probably where, yes, I would say that I'm a very people-driven person. Um, engage with your teams, be present. You yeah. know, no, that's great. It fosters, it fosters the culture that I think is yeah. what you need in this space, in this environment. Yeah. Um, I had a corny, some would call it corny, uh, little metaphor or story that I would tell my staff when I was at Wonderland Sydney all those years ago. And that was that the, the business is the body and blood coursing through the body is the people. Yeah. And we want to keep the blood healthy and we want the blood to be moving to all the right locations efficiently. Yes. And the body will stay robust. Correct. As long as we've got healthy blood and um, the metaphor did go on, but I won't make this about my metaphors. But I would live by those. And I think it, it's, it, is, about, it is about people. Just to jump, you mentioned Disney before, and I've seen some of your social posts over the years, and there's a constant that kind of trickles through, and there'll be images or stories from your experiences seeing other parks overseas, yeah. which goes back to clearly demonstrating your love for all things parks. Yes. What is it particularly about some of your experiences, let's say with a Disney or any other kind of brand in the US, when you've been really impressed, what have been the things that have done that to you? What's it left you with? Uh, I think for me, it's the... One, I think there's a, there's a big people element to their parks so that I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a big fan of. And I think that that's that engagement and being involved and being a part of the story. Um, you look at properties like Disney Parks for a perfect example. You know, they've got such... Uh, there's such brand loyalty to mm. what they do that their people become so involved and throw themselves into the story and the environment and the, I guess the reality that they're, they're working in. Uh, that for me, I, the idea of being able to again leave that escape of reality mm. to be able to go into this environment that is, there's fantasy, there's discovery, that for me is a big a big love for I guess what we what we get to do and for me personally it's about being the opportunity to be a part of that mm. um, you know I when you talk about for example just then when you talk about Disney parks and you reference those uh, snapshots where you've seen mm. my visits and whatnot for me that instantly gives me a visceral feeling towards what we do and those experiences and I think that they're the things that if you can take that moment to, for me, recognise that right now for a perfect example, if I'm having those moments, 
they're the moments that drive me to be able to provide that for the people that come and visit our parks mm. or come and visit what we do. Um, I absolutely love taking people to the, the places that I've been able to go and visit and travel, yeah. uh, friends, family, um, to be able to take them to those parks and experience what joy and desire I get from that. that even that, that for me is a big, yeah. big passion driver to go, you know, I talk about this stuff all the time and it's all you, all you hear about is me you know, banging on about Disney or talking about yeah. this or talking about that. This is why I love what I love, you know. I had the pleasure years ago in a, the, would have been around 2006 and the chief executive officer at the time for Village Roadshow theme parks was John Menzies. Yep. And I kind of grew up being aware of John and he was an innovator and he's as close as I guess as anyone has been in the, the, the history of the parks at that time to a Disney-esque yep. Walt type character. You know, he was an innovator, he was a pioneer. And I had this rare opportunity to travel to the States with him and we were visiting a Disney park. And it was my very first time in a Disney park and I'm with John. Yeah. And I remember the excitement John had about me being there to see this park. Mm -hmm. And it was like a scene out of a film, you know, he's moving at double time. He's a man, I think, would have been in his 60s at the time. Mm -hmm. He's moving at double time through the park and I'm hurrying behind through the crowd, a bit overwhelmed. And I'm maybe mid 40s, late 30s. And the excitement that he had of Michael, wait till you come around and look around this corner here. I'm going to show you this particular street mm -hmm. and look at what they've done here in terms of design. And he would be opening my eyes up to, can you see how they've installed this street in such a way where yeah. there's nothing to pull your focus away from that feature at the end of the street, mm -hmm. which it might be the castle. And yeah. we went and watched the shows. And, and again, it was like getting this masterclass from a, a master yeah. about what makes this particular park work as well as it does. There is something going on here. There is some science in design and yes. layout in color. And for me, it was exciting just to see him excited. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that it was, well, I'm in the company of someone who still hasn't lost that childlike exuberance, mm -hmm. who still comes into a Disney park, for example, and walks around wide-eyed. Yeah. Uh, who you would think would have every right to be a little jaded and matter-of-fact. Yeah. But he was, I want you to see this. Can you see what they've done here? Can you see how they've done that there? Yeah. Can you see how genius that is in terms of design and so you know it's, it's always wonderful to be around leaders that have that sense of excitement about the work that they do yeah so with your current role could you give us a little bit about just what that involves and how it came to be can we talk yeah. about when when that began and what that brings with it yeah so i i'd actually just taken a short stint away last year and uh stepped out of directly working in our parks um, to go and work for a company that still works with our business and with our parks um, and be on the other side of the fence, I guess. Mm. Even for that in itself was such a good learning opportunity for me to be, I guess, in the shoes of the other guy that's mm. a part of our process. Mm. You know, we all too often... Uh, we do what we do in our parks uh, as, I guess, people of our business. But then I probably don't always think about the fact of 
well, what about those that I'm dealing with that are not directly a part of our business? Yeah. They lend their expertise, they lend their experience, they lend their services to complement what we do every single day yeah. in our parks. But I've probably never put myself in their shoes. So for, for me, that was a big learning curve um, to be a part of that. And I was there for uh, about uh, eight months. So it was a nice little step away to, yeah. to be on the other side. But it brings, it brings you back stronger. Correct. Yeah. And I remember receiving the phone call asking me, uh, would I be interested in coming back to the parks? And that moment for me was the realization of how much I appreciate what we get to do mm. here every day. Um, missing that, you know, over that period of time, so many things that I would have typically been involved in had come and gone for the year and they'd been done. Um, there was a part of me that had a bit of FOMO, missing out on being a part of those yeah. things that typically you would be a part of. Yeah. Um, so for me, there was there was no hesitation to say, oh, I'll be back tomorrow if you'll, <laughs> if you'll take me back, I'll come back straight away. Let, let's just talk about the size of that role because it brings with it obviously an immense burden of responsibility across multi-sites. Yep. So, and again, there's this pattern of not being daunted by what you think you're able to achieve. So yep. you've obviously jumped back in willingly for that. When you look at the, when you looked at the scale of that role, there was no trepidation, obviously it excited you. Yeah. What lured you back in terms of appreciating how big that role would be? What did you think you might bring into that? Uh, I think, this was probably when I talk about my park hopping that I'd done back in the day where I'd moved from one park to another. Even my journey towards the end before leaving briefly, I was still a seat warmer to some respect. I was feeling succumbents as they, as they came along. So prior to that, I kind of had a feeling that I, I felt as though I was the babysitter. Mm. You know, I was only really, I was filling the chair, I was filling the space and leading the ship most certainly but not I probably wasn't I didn't feel as though I was able to innovate or mm. make positive change um, so for me that was probably one of the biggest desires coming back knowing that I had the availability to come back to this and for this to I guess without being uh, for a lack of a better word for this to be mine I guess yeah was such an exciting idea that I could put my passion into it. I could put my flair to things. I could consider what are things that we could be doing better, mm. you know, rather than, I guess, sometimes not even just in this environment, even the big players within our business, your Disney's and your Universal can sometimes be caught in the idea of, well, this is the way that we've done things for mm. a certain period of time. It works okay, why change it? There's always the opportunity to relook at ways that we can better improve mm. what we do. How do you maintain that level of connection? Because you have that grassroots beginning, which we've talked about, and you've come through. Now you have this global view yeah. across Warner Brothers Movie World and this Wet and Wild, particularly with those two sites that carry with them a big burden of responsibility from yeah. a safety perspective and everything else that comes with it. And you're now sort of flying in a layer where you're moving across all of that. How important then are those layers of expertise that sit beneath your role and, and carry the load? How, how do you maintain a, 
a strong cohesive bond there. It's it's funny that you say that because if I look at probably the other thing that gave me a lot of confidence coming back was knowing the individuals who would be a part of the greater team. Right. Um, all people that I'm very familiar with, people that I know have the same spark, have the same desire to do great things mm. within our business. Share your values. Correct. Um, and that for me makes my job every single day very, very easy mm. to, ha- to work with like-minded people that um, you know, I can come in here and my idea might foster a dis- or spark a discussion. My idea might not be what we end up with in, in the end, but it sparks the idea of let's think about the bigger picture. What are the layers that come with that? And I'm very thankful across both of the two properties that I work, um, work a part of, the leaders that are within those parks are all leaders who are all striving for the same end goal. And that's to, you know, provide the experience for our guests, to look at what are the ways that we can be reinventing ourselves. Are there better ways of doing something that we've done for 29 years? You know, it's something that we often talk about here, particularly for Movie Bob. We've done what we've done here for such a long period of time, but are there better ways of doing that? Mm. Are there better ways of improving the experience, not only for our guests, but also for our team members? That's something I think that we... Uh, I don't think that we forget that, but sometimes we might put out, we might put guests first. Mm. You know, there's treat your employees the same as your guests and that will give you an even greater end result. Yeah, for sure. You know? We talk a lot in our area about the, the idea that you get the team you deserve. Yes. So, so pay a lot of, of attention to that idea yeah. and, and, and nurture that. Do you see people without being completely narcissistic, which is not the, the point of the question. Mm-hmm. Do you see a young Nathan Classen every now and then? Do you see, I know that I do in my yeah. area, I'll, I'll see or have a conversation with a young performer and I'll hear echoes of a similar journey because there's similar yes. desires in there. Yeah. Do you come across those people still to this day? 100%, yeah. yeah, in both parks. And for me, it's that they're those, the flares that pop up. Yeah, And I think that, for me, I identify those flares as, you know, the term that some people might use is, you know, you, you Frankenstein yourself over time. You mm. work with so many different leaders within whatever workplace or environment that you're in. You Frankenstein different elements from different people. Mm. Mm. Um, for me, I recognise those moments as they are the layers of Frankenstein that I think, for me, I've gone... Oh, this person does that such a great way or they address or tackle that solution or, or t- tackle that situation in such great form or there's great thought process to that right you know they've rather than just skimming the surface they've really dug deep to think about all the other elements that might come to that for me when i see the leaders that i'm fortunate to work with those moments where i see little bits in them I recognise those as the, they're, they're Franken, they're those Frankenstein moments yeah. that I I never used to be like that. Mm-hmm. That might have been a learning that took me some time to think like that, act yeah. like that, yeah. consider like that. Um, I, I find it's exciting when you create an environment where you want to be surprised, where you get the right people in a room 
and facilitate the framework, perhaps, for the conversation. Yes. And then get surprised yes. when someone delivers a thought out of the blue that hasn't been in the space that you might be in. Yeah. And that's the best idea. Yes. You go, well, that works. Yeah. Let's do that. And so for me, it's, it's recognizing that part of that, my responsibility is to ensure that I'm allowing those conversations to breathe in such a way yeah. that people can feel comfortable enough to say, you know, what if this? Yeah. You know, and recognize at this point in the, pro- the process, guys, no idea is a bad one. Correct. Let's just, let's just get them out and throw them on a wall and see yeah. what sticks. Yeah. And that, it, that's exciting. 100%. Yeah. And I guess that's probably like, I guess to my point before, I guess the idea might start with me, it might start with someone else. Yeah. But the fact that that idea can go so round table and completely evolve from being, might be a planted seed yeah. to turn into something that is so big. You know, that, that doesn't just come from one person. Mm. That, that, that's a number of different people being involved in that, looking at it from all different angles. I think that's probably where one of the things that makes working in this environment and getting to do what I get to do every single day so attractive yeah. is that we are so fortunate to work with such a large group of individuals who are all like-minded. Yeah. They think in the same direction. They're, their agenda is also, we're all, we're all driven to the same agenda. For sure. Um, and I think to your point, I was, I don't know, maybe 23 when I pitched a, a show concept to the then manager at SeaWorld. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a show that they were asking for. I just felt it was a show that they needed. Yep. And it would have been easy to have a culture where if we haven't asked you for anything, don't bring us anything. Yeah. But we had a culture which I think resonates today where it was, okay, that's interesting. Take me through it. Yeah. And there I was as this young kid taking them through it. And the short version of a long story is that idea eventually took root and became a thing for quite a few years. And so that has never left me, that idea that that's important to maintain that culture where let the ideas be fertile, let, let, let a culture develop where the team can not only feel validated, but feel that they can bring forward Yes. Thoughts, because you just never know where the next great thing might come from. Yeah. You know, just to ask you a couple of final questions and appreciate your time here in, in this episode. So what is it that still keeps you motivated? And I think we may have touched on it throughout our chat, but what is it that still keeps you getting up in the morning wanting to do it? I think that the essence of it for me is probably my my deep-rooted passion, I guess, for what we what we do every single day. Um, this morning was probably the, that greatest realization for me of going right now, you know, we're at the start of, or the end of December, we're in the busiest time of our year. This is the, this is the moment that we prepare for every single year to drive into work today, knowing that I get to be on the ground out there with the people out there with the guests, tweaking, fine tuning. That for me goes back to my basic roots of being a ride supervisor back in the day. Mm. It gets it allows me to come in here and I guess be hands on and be involved in what we do every single day. Right. Um, to be still afforded the availability to do that. Yeah. In what I do, uh, 
makes me love what I do rather than being stuck behind a desk in front of a keyboard every single day. Busy being busy. Yeah. I'm so thankful to, to come in here and be, be me, be out there, be present, be involved, be hands on. Yeah. You know, I'll, the idea of being able to follow the parade at the end of the night mm. for me is that typical token theme park opportunity to yeah. be present and be there and be available. You know, they're those small little moments that, you know, for me are, they're the highlights. So I might even join you walking up the back of that one night just to feel that again myself. Moment, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, if you had to look back and I'm sure there's many, if you could single out one of the proudest moments that you have and just recall that, what would be one of the proudest moments in your working life? Uh, my proudest moment, to be truthfully honest, as much of a, a challenge it was, as exhausting as it was, the opening season of Wet Mild Sydney was probably my biggest learning. I had so many takeaways from that experience. Uh, it was long, it was exhausting. Mm. You know, they were, they were big days. You know, that park in season one was open from 8 a.m. until 11 p.m. at night. You know, mm. that was a, they were, that was a big, a big effort by everyone who was involved in that. Um, that is probably my, the moment that I go, it was also probably my turnaround moment mm -hmm. within this business where I really probably recognized where my passion and desire lies or where I was, where my journey was leading was the right journey. It was where I, mm -hmm. where I was meant to be, what I wanted to do. Um, that was probably my biggest, biggest moment. As they say, there's, if there's no adversity, there's no growth. Correct. 100%. Mate, been terrific to have you on and to spend almost an hour going back through your career. Thank you for making the time. No, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. A little trip down memory lane. Appreciate it. Thank you. Cheers.